is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. And I'm Chris. And we're joined now by Channel 12 WPRI's Ted Nisi. Hey, Ted. Hey, gentlemen. How you doing? Good. Well, how are you? Good. Well, as I warned you when I agreed to come on and I warned the listeners that my five-month-old is here with me. I'm a single dad tonight while my wife anchors the late noon. So if you hear screaming, I promise she's just hungry. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we appreciate the dedication both to your fatherhood and to our show. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. We need we need more babies in this region. The population's not growing fast, so we're doing our part here at my house. Don't don't that's put true. don't put pressure on me. Right, right, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly, exactly. So, so um, so Ted, uh, Chris and I went a record just now, a record two hours without talking about the sheriff's race. Yes, yes, <laughs> I love it. I, right. there's plenty to talk about. That's for sure. But but yeah, here we are. You you have this story that's been uh, now picked up by the Globe and retweeted uh, by Mark uh, Ed Markey and Liz Warren and the sheriff and everybody else and. Uh, why don't you tell us about it? Well, look, I don't want to repeat. Uh, I know th- th- most people in uh, the Greater New Bedford region have been listening since your show came on the air, so I don't re- want to repeat too much. But, um, you know, I-, I would say, so Sheriff Hodgson posted that video you've been talking about, I think Monday night, and uh, yes. I started to get texts from, uh, <laughs> candidly from Democrats, who right. said, you got to watch this. Um, you know, this uh, they were taken aback by the Soros thing and the crime stuff and, and all that. And mm-hmm. so I said, well, you know, it's interesting. You put it out. I'm not going to say one way or the other. It's not my job to say what people should think of it, but I'll flag it as something that's drawing interest and quoted him. And yeah, I can't say I expected both U.S. senators, the former congressman and a host of other people to jump on it. But, you know, the, this I would say, on the other hand, I shouldn't be surprised, and I'm sure you guys weren't either. I mean, right. any reference to George Soros right now causes this war between Democrats who say it's an anti-Semitic dog whistle and Republicans who say, hey, we have the right to criticize one of the biggest funders of progressives in American politics. And you see that all against all now for for 36 hours. But it is still interesting to see that many people, I think, engage in what is in the end a county sheriff's race, right? Yes, that's the the issue. The three of us are interested. Right, um, right, yeah, right. We have to be. I expected beyond the three of us that level of interest from all these people. And I think it just tells you how much for Democrats the fact that, you know, they're, they've, they've basically cleared Republicans out of almost every corner of Massachusetts politics that they still have this very strong Republican uh, in, in a relatively important office in a key part of the state. It's fascinating, the reaction, I think. It, it really is. I um, It's funny. I talked to a Democrat state rep today who said to me, do these people really think that we've been electing an anti-Semitic racist Republican for 25 years? You know, in other words, he didn't think it would go anywhere. You know, he thought it was, and this is a Democrat just saying it's kind of a ridiculous attack. We all know Tom. I mean, I agree with him, but this is a ridiculous attack. Well, look, I think, um, I think, I mean, I've actually had these debates with people just listening to both sides. I have heard even from Jewish people I know, 
I heard from one person I know who's Jewish who was like, I hate, I think people are like breaking out the anti-Semitic card too frequently. Like some yeah. things happening these days are like Kanye and, and right. stuff. Um, and it's, it's pretty inarguable, I think. And this, maybe that person's more an edge case. Talk to another Jewish friend of mine who said uh, to them, that's what this was. You don't reference Soros unless you're kind of hinting at a dark Jewish funded conspiracy mm-hmm, right. uh, if you don't have to. And again, I'm not taking a side on that. Right, right. Uh, clearly, people feel it deeply. But yeah, I think what I always wonder, guys, and I don't know what you think of it, is putting aside the merits, not to say the merits aren't important, but, you know, in Bristol County, a part of the state that clearly, you know, this is the part of the state that voted for Joe Kennedy, not Ed Markey, even though Markey won, right? A part of the state that can go its own way. Right. Are all these quite progressive uh, Democrats like Warren, like Markey, how many folks in Rehoboth are saying, oh, well, if Ed Markey doesn't like Tom Hodgson, <laughs> right. I'm no longer going to vote. <laughs> right. you know, I'm not going to be sarcastic. I'm just, I don't know yeah. if some city councilor in Taunton came out against him, it might move the needle more. I might be wrong, but I do have to say I wonder that as I watch it all play out. No, I, I, think, I think there's a lot to that. Um, I think that local races... When you have all this outside interest, people do maybe pull in a little bit and say, "How did? What are you telling me? Who my sheriff right. really should be?" Yeah, um, um, I mean, unless, and besides, there are real issues. In but, this race. but 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 I, I like like I like I might have. I think we said off air. I, I don't know how many people are getting these flyers and like, oh, that's mm-hmm. from the New York based Working Families Party, right. you know, or oh, that's from Mike yeah. Bloomberg's pack. But they don't, might not even know who Mike Bloomberg is. So, um, but, but, uh, but basically, so the thing is, is, is the reason he brought up Soros is because, I mean, other than the, you know, the, the sort of, uh, rhetorical device of bringing up Soros of, you know, just, just not, not, not even anti-Semitic or just a boogeyman, uh, essentially. Right. Aside from that, he says that the working families party has some, even the as as he spelt it out or whoever had his campaign account spelt it out some very tangential connection financially to george soros I, is that's my understanding yeah so i i did want to cuz you know i i do sometimes i find when these things get really hot i'm better off kind of going the opposite direction and saying mm-hmm. can i just nail down what everyone is accusing each other of right, <laughs> right now? Yeah, like right. Yeah. Yeah. so i asked Hodgson's campaign and I will say it was a little less direct than I think I expected um, because I admit I did not know chapter and verse on who was funding these outside groups. And I know that there can be layers of funders. But as I understood it, they're saying that uh, the Working Families Party's expenditure in Massachusetts uh, has funding from the Sheriff's for Trusted Communities of North Carolina, which has funding from Data for Progress, another left-wing group, which has funding from, uh, oof, I forget the name of the other one, <laughs> and that final one has also gotten given money to move on and move on has gotten Is it the Tides Foundation? <laughs> yes, that's it. Thank the you. Tides that's Foundation. It, um, they're, they're, the, they're, the, so, they're, they're the clearinghouse, Tides Foundation. Yeah, and so I don't, again, I don't, and I should say clearly, I, a spokesperson for that, I specifically told me they haven't gotten any funding from either the, Soros or the family The spokesperson now, was, was Jesse Mermel, right? The former congressional yeah. candidate? Yeah, I remember yep, her. She's, yeah. she's leading communications for this IE that's been targeting Hodgson. So, um, you know, in the end, you know, Hodgson's people say, look, he was making the point that this world of progressive funders who are trying to get Hero over the finish line to beat him are, you know, Soros is our poster child for what they represent. Obviously, Democrats say, 
actually he's your poster child for something, you know, uh, saying Jewish people are, are funding overturning our elections. I don't think on this show the three of us are going to nail down and get everyone to agree on, on which of those it was. Right. Yeah. I, I just think, you know, I do think it, it goes to also what's so unusual about this race is a, a half a million dollars in a county sheriff's race in a part of the country where all respect to both Hodgson and Hero, the sheriff does not have the same level of responsibilities as in other places where sheriffs make national news, right? Yeah. So it's really... We're not electing Wyatt Earp. I mean, it's, it's not... Right, right? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. So I think, you know, I I think... Uh, no, I will say at the, at the same time, I do wonder sometimes, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, from uh, the greater around Dartmouth, who is my age, in our 30s, and, you know, Frankly, for both of us, Bristol County kids, Hodgson's been on the scene since we can remember, right? right. I was in seventh grade when he got appointed. <laughs> so right. he's yeah. always been a part of the kind of political scene in Bristol County. And I do think there might be a little bit of a gap between the sort of hometown Tom Hodgson, who, yeah, we know he's big on being tough on the inmates, but he's got his truck at the parades and he's a friendly guy and he goes to every feast and all that, versus some of the pretty hard line positions he took with Trump. And I was... I was intrigued, I guess I'll use that word, in our debate that we did on Channel 12 with him and Hero last Friday, Tim White and I, on Channel 12. He, I would say he, he, he kept his distance uh, from Trump and from national Republican stuff that he'd really leaned into earlier in this term. I, I joked to one person, there were moments I felt like he was being Susan Collins with a badge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that's pretty good. Very moderate. So I just, I just think... Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's, he's talking a lot more about Baker than Trump right now, I guess is the way I'd put it, you know? I've known Tom Hodgson a long time, and let me tell you one thing I can say about Tom Hodgson. Regardless of party, he doesn't like losers. Yeah, it's true. He doesn't like losers, yeah. and Trump's now a loser. Yeah, yeah, because he, he's definitely underplayed his, his his connection to President Trump, for yeah. sure. Yeah, Trump's a loser. Yeah. <laughs> Tom's not. I'm serious. I've known Tom Hodgson. Since you were in the seventh grade, I mean, he <laughs> he, he he doesn't so hang with losers. So so um, so Ted, uh, have you spoken with any camps about necessarily like what they're feeling on this race is like? And it's hard to get a gauge. Like you know, I would have probably said if it weren't for all this money coming in uh, to this election, all these direct mails and I, all these direct mails, I had a set, I kind of like did a segment on it last night because I had people call in and people message me with direct mails and some right. of them were very, very good. Um, mm -hmm. Do you have any like sense or does anybody that you've talked to have any sense of where this race is headed? Well, I, I think I firmly believe, and honestly, I don't tell you guys this, you know, it even though my doing Bristol County, I don't think when you get down to a County level race with a well-known incumbent, Anyone without a good poll, which I don't think anyone's paid for, right. can really tell you where this thing is going, right? Yeah. I think it's all us guessing on the. I think when I put sort of look at both sides of the scale, I, I'll just say, you know, I, I always get crap, uh, if I can use that word in the radio, from mm -hmm. political professionals when I mention yard signs because yard signs don't vote and they aren't necessarily indicative. And I, while I get that, I do believe that it's a sign of an organized campaign. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I spent. In the last week, I've been in Rehoboth, I've been in Attleboro, which is Rose hometown, obviously. I've been in Taunton, I've been in Dighton. Obviously, I work right along the line of Seekonk. There are a ton of Tom Hodgson signs. Yes, and yeah. not a ton of Hero signs. Now, flip side of that, there are not nearly as many voters in a place like Rehoboth as in yeah. Fall River, New Bedford, Attleboro, Taunton. So right. if 
the Democratic margins are big in the cities, that could swamp some of these more rural areas, if I'm right, that that's where Haro is going to find his numbers. But I got to think, I think Hardson, he's a wily campaigner. There's a reason he's been there 25 years. Frankly, you know, I say almost with respect for a political professional, he's, he's run to the center like you see people do in a general election, right? He's not talking about Trump. He's talking about Baker. He's talking about yeah. just basic safety issues. I think he's trying to get all those Democratic voters who have voted for him in the past back. My one, my big caveat, though, along with the money you mentioned, Marcus, which I do think matters in all these mailers, that's a lot to throw an incumbent in a low-profile race, is also just... The Republican ticket is so weak. It's oh, so bad. Terrible. It's so right? bad. So, you know, he, Hodgson, and granted, he's the kind of guy who actually could have enough of an operation in his county to overcome this, but he's not getting any backup from deal at the top of the ticket or any other big race that's, that's there to draw Republicans. If I'm a Republican in, in Massachusetts, I'm probably pretty frustrated this cycle. Am I going to show up? To if, your deal, telling me? if your deal, you're counting on Hodgson to get out the vote. Great point. Chris. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's, That's what it comes first. down to. I thought he'd be campaigning, but I guess maybe I don't know if Hodgson wants that, and I haven't seen deal much. Period. Can't imagine he would want that. Tom went with Doty in the convention. Oh, I didn't. You know, I didn't realize that. Yeah, you always have one more thing than I have. That's, that's <laughs> so, why I like to come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so I will tell you one other thing that I think goes in Haru's favor. <laughs> down here, we have question one. We have it in Massachusetts. Mm. That's you know the the, the new the new income yep. tax. You have the Coalition of Social Justice, which is what recruited Haru. They're running their own political action committee with uh, with dark money, with a door-to-door campaign in favor of question one. Uh, they, they're literally paying street workers, which is totally legitimate. It, you yeah. can see it off the campaign and political finance that's up there. They've they brought in hundreds of thousands of dollars from the mm-hmm. from the main main political action committee, and they're hiring street teams to go out and knock on doors. I think mm-hmm. that that'll be in the New Bedford Fall River area. That could be a major factor because when you knock on the doors to come out to vote for that question, they're probably coming out to vote for Haru as well. Well, and then on top of that, and I'll let you get in, Marcus, but just, and you got to think, layer that on top of the fact that Huey, yeah, does she need to worry? Seemingly, does she need to worry at all? No, but, you know, no. they're running a campaign. They're going to do a lot of voter contact this weekend. If she's bringing out people who get to the sheriff's race and either don't have a thought or got one of these mailers, <laughs> right. that could be bad for Tom. So I yes. still. I would definitely not, you know, I, I almost lean towards saying I still expect Hodgson to find a way, but uh, I think Hero is very much in this. I think it's really going to be, and by the way, I can also imagine it being some crazy margin we don't expect. Like, yeah, Hodgson turns out to have a lot more strength right. with <laughs> yeah. residual Democrats than we think. So I, I just, that's a long, fancy way of saying I have no idea. It, it's worth, it's <laughs> worth noting, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. It's worth, anyone that says they that, do you doesn't know. Broadcasting, it, how to use a lot of words to say I don't have a clue. It's, it's, <laughs> it's worth noting, by the way, that uh, Andrea Campbell, Diana DiZaglio, Paul Haro, Joe Kennedy are going to do a, a canvas kickoff in fall river uh Mm -hmm. this weekend so Mm -hmm. i'd wonder if that is um somehow targeted uh in a battleground area for the sheriff's race knowing that they probably need to win fall river yeah i I, it's it's a great i I think but again i also i'm realistic about voters they're busy they're worried about soccer practice they're worried about a million things in their own lives right how much do they even care about who the sheriff is whether they should or not right and so even as much as to three of us, this is manna from heaven, right? Like a really right, exciting right. race in Bristol County and <laughs> right. it's national and it's all this. 
senators are weighing in. This is wild. But I just wonder how many people are going to show up on Tuesday, and of course early vote as well in mail ballot, but are going to have a strong opinion one way or the other, more than usual with all this activity. But what what is that really, right? And I just don't know that. I Ted, I, I think if, if, if you came on here and told us you did know, it would probably be the last <laughs> conversation we've ever had with you, right? Exactly. We'd say Ted's gone crazy, right? So, so, so Ted, let's talk about something else. Uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Are you saying I know something about? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I want to. I keep asking you about this Rhode Island congressional race between oh, Fung yeah. and Magaziner, and there's there's more money. There's you know there's a lot of pack money going into it. Uh, you know when I watch WPRI and I'll watch it when I get home tonight, I'm going to see about ten okay. ads for each candidate. Um, it looks like Alan Fung is in front of the race. Yeah, I mean. You know, it's another one where, and I, I really, if, if we've learned anything the last couple of elections, it's to be humble as reporters, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> about Trump doing, et cetera. So I, I'm trying to be extra good about that nowadays. But, you know, the only public polls we got in this race are now multiple weeks old. Our poll at WPRI as well as the Boston Globe did a poll. Right. And both of them had flung up, but not by a ton. A, a, a nice margin, especially in a great one for a Republican in Rhode Island, but only six straight points. And then that was before... They, debate, they had the big primetime debate at PPAC that we aired. Yes. Um, there's been a ton of back and forth. I mean, the money, guys, is it is bananas. Eight, last I checked, and I'm sure it's significantly higher now, eight-plus million dollars for half of Rhode Island. I mean, crazy. That is a crazy – and that's just, that's just broadcast, TV and radio. I mean, that's not counting mailers and field operations. I mean, this race, it's it just it, – I get a feeling for why the uh, swing state reporters feel – so outnumbered by the money, right, with their reporting, because how do you even get heard in this sea of money trying to influence the voters? But I would say, you know, a couple of weeks back, I would say Magaziner's team hit a low and the Democrats, they were really feeling gloomy. Like, you know, Bung was up in those polls. Uh, it felt like everything was going against them nationally. It was just like, we're not going to be able to figure this out. And then you saw Magaziner and company. First of all, I think I heard I was talking to a Democrat in Washington today who thinks the polls really woke people up both in Rhode Island and Washington. Democrats, I should say, wow, this is not coming home, quote unquote, like we thought automatically. Right. We got to do something if we want to keep this seat. It's not just going to happen. And you've seen this shift where I think the Democratic messaging, they're still talking a bit about abortion, but it was all abortion and Kevin McCarthy. It felt like for weeks and weeks. Now there's some of that. But a lot of classic Democratic messaging, Social Security and Medicare, big oil, big drug, big pharma, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. And I do think there's a feeling among the Democrats that that kind of traditional message is more likely to be starting to bring some Democrats back into the fold. Because this, again, is a district that went double digits for Biden two years ago. So it's yeah. winnable, even in this environment, probably. Um and they've invested a lot of money in a field operation, the magaziner side. So, you know, the tenor of the coverage, I mean, I can't turn around now without Alan Fung getting a national profile. He was on CBS the other day. Right. He's in the New York Times multiple times in the last week. The Wall Street Journal, he's on ABC, he's everywhere. So that almost makes you feel like it's a foregone conclusion. But I, I can't shake just knowing this region the possibility that this is some sort of, you know, 5149 outcome and magazine or squeaked it out. But they are, they are having to pull out all the stops to try to hold a seat they've had since 1988, the Democrats in Rhode Island. 
And uh, apparently, uh, I think Fung tried to, or a pack of his tried to say basically that they have James Langevin's support, and he, he took umbrage with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, Langevin, <laughs> Langevin, who's, of course, the retiring incumbent, you know, there's a lot of grumbling in his party that you picked the worst year for Democrats in yeah. one of the worst years in your 22 years in office to retire. Yeah. They, many people feel he did not give enough notice, which meant they didn't even try to tweak the map, whether you like that or not. It's something that happened. Sure, they made course. no effort to make the second <clears throat> Rhode Island district more more Democratic friendly because they didn't realize there was going to be an open seat this year. Um, and then Langevin is like a very, for those who, you know, this is, he's the first quadriplegic in Congress. He was a pathbreaker. His whole brand, he is very soft-spoken, very nice, very, mo- you know, he votes pretty liberal, but moderate for the liberals in Washington, right? And so he's known Alan Fung. I think they went to college together because it's Rhode Island. So right. <laughs> yeah. he, would, he, he kept getting interviewed about it by national reporters, and he'd say, like, Alan Fung's a nice guy. I have nothing bad to say about Alan Fung. Right. Well, I knew the second I saw those articles, like, well, that's going to be in a mailer in October. And yeah. sure yeah. enough, <laughs> of course. the National Republicans are sending people mailers saying, Jim Langevin says, Alan Fung's a nice guy, and I have nothing bad to say about him. So everyone agrees, vote for Alan Fung. And Langevin, of course, got upset because he feels that's misleading because he's like, I think he's nice, but I don't want him elected. But. You know, I've heard from even Democrats who were like, well, you said it, Jim, on the record. You know, they didn't make that quote up. (laughs) That was sort of an interesting little dynamic. But again, I sort of like with the sheriffs, there comes a point where there's been so much money and so much chatter that I really am not sure what the voters are going to hone in on. And, you know, is it, you know, gas prices spiked in Rhode Island this week worse than the country. Um, is that what people are going to be thinking about? Right, right. Right. And they're just like, I'm fed up with what the Democrats in Washington have resulted in, whatever the blame is. And they go that I just don't know right now. But um, that could be a nail biter. I could see that going to the mailbox. Ted, you, you reported on um, kind of an interesting little inside baseball piece, which is what your column's really good for, um, <laughs> that Langevin, the party doesn't feel like he's given enough money to the party. Oh, yeah. Um, which I thought was a really interesting piece of information oh yeah yeah big sore spot chris here so the d triple c political aficionado listeners will know that's the house democrats campaign arm. they have a certain amount of money to expect every incumbent to give each year to help elect democrats all across the country uh the dues payments they call it dues payments and uh Landvin is among a large group who have just not paid their dues <laughs> Um, who think it's optional. Right. And especially in this dire political environment, a lot of the frontline Democrats who are at risk are very unhappy with those members, including, but not limited to Langevin. Uh, at last check, he'd only gotten to about 50% of his dues. And particularly the grumble you hear is, hey, you're spending a bunch of money in your district because you retired unexpectedly and you won't even pay your own dues, let alone <laughs> you do more help. Langevin's counter is he wants to hold on to some of his campaign cash if he ever wants to run for something else. And, uh, well, I've given money directly to around Democratic Party, which is more useful. But that's been a real sore spot. And Landovan did not like talking about it. I can tell you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Ted, I, I want to actually just shift uh, again. Uh, you, you and you and um, Tim White and uh, Eli Sherman had this excellent story about uh, an aide uh, in the Rhode Island mm-hmm. State House that uh, had some, I think, what you said, troubling ties. Yeah, thanks for remembering our TV title for it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is this is a full Rhode Island, I would say. Um, full Rhode Island, yeah. So, so 
Eli, who, who you mentioned, who's one of our Target 12 investigative reporters at uh, 12, um, got a tip that an illegal marijuana business had been shut down. One of the people had mob ties, and one of the other people worked for the House Speaker, the most powerful lawmaker in Rhode Island. So that, of course, got our attention. And frankly, sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Like, it was not, you know, it took a lot of reporting to get all the information and, pe- and put it together. And, you know, we had video surveillance video. Tim White had to work hard to get that. But it was a very cut-and-dry story in the end. This, this Raymond Scarface Jenkins, who's a well-known mob associate in Rhode Island, yep. uh, he uh, had been a party to this illegal marijuana business. They had not disclosed that to the state as required when they applied for their license. Also on the list was John Conti, who is a longtime aide in the Speaker House Speaker's office, also a longtime Nader D at Camille's restaurant at Federal Hill, yep. again, because Rhode Island. And um, <laughs> Conti, you know, they came down, you know, Jenkins got in trouble with the law because he had, I think he, had, don't quote me, but I think he perjured himself. He got in, in real trouble. Whereas um, Mr. Conti, he was named as being an undisclosed partner or investor in this marijuana business but um, did not face any legal consequences because there's no law against failing to disclose. And uh, Jenkins got in trouble with other stuff. But on the other hand, of course, as we know in politics, it's not actually just what's the law, right? And right. sure enough, when we went to the speaker and said, hey, your, deputy, your senior deputy chief of staff was in an uh, illegal marijuana business with a uh, well-known mob associate. Oh, and by the way, we now have text messages showing he was texting details from the state budget before it was public that would affect the marijuana industry. Um, he was out of his job within 24 hours. Right. So, you know, and I think he was I, like, Oh my God, I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had no idea. Some are skeptical. I have no evidence. He didn't know, but certainly not everyone believes him, but that's sure. what's being said. And I, you guys, of course, will appreciate Rhode Island's legalization takes effect. Retail sales start December 1st. It's obviously all over Bristol County and the rest of Massachusetts now. And the whole conversation has been, how does Rhode Island not be Fall River? Well, the last thing you want to see when people are worried about that is an aide to the House Speaker, and that office has been very involved in crafting that Mana policy, is texting details in advance and involved with a mob associate with it. So, um, yeah, that caused quite a splash. No, of course, because it's election time, I don't think any Democrat in Rhode Island said a word about it because they're all hiding uh, from it until the election's over. But the Republicans had a field day with it. <laughs> I mean, I thought the report was an amazing piece of journalism. Really, you guys, you, oh, you ought to get an award for it. Um, my sources tell me that Conti's very close to Eddie Leto, and Eddie Leto's the underboss now, as, as your report mm-hmm. disclosed. And he's and they're probably, I don't know if they're going to charge him or not, but he killed Kevin Hanrahan, and um, that's a pretty rough group to be that friendly with. In fact, Eddie Lado, he was on Eddie Lado's visitor list in the federal prison system. I don't know how his bosses didn't know that, or they're acting like they didn't know that now. Well, as you know, Chris, when it's mob details, I defer to you and Tim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's certainly, yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, Jenkins said, you know, either Conti or Jenkins, referencing the other in one of those texts, said it's my oldest and dearest friend. So, yeah. I mean, Jenkins look, said that about Rhode Island, Thank you. Thank you, Chris. And yeah. so it's my own story. And yeah, I thank <laughs> you. Um, you know, and so I just think it, it, certainly in a, you know, we were talking earlier in a state as tight knit and small as Rhode Island, where everyone knows everyone, everyone knows everyone's business. There are certainly no small number of skeptics that all of this around John Conti could have been 
a total shock to the House Speaker's office until Tim White approached them with his questions. Right, right. now, again, I don't want to overly do the you know wink, wink, wink as a reporter. That's not my rule. But also, I would be not being transparent and not acknowledge there's a lot of skepticism that they never even got a whisper about this. But of course, that's their story, and they're sticking to it. Right. I'm told they knew, but. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I mean, and I'm not touching it. Yeah. <laughs> People are shocked the guy lost his job. You know, guys, yeah. street guys are like, well, they all knew. Why did they fire him? Type of thing. But anyway, um, it's a hell of a story, though, folks. Go to WPRI.com to check it out. It's really worth it. You got video and everything. I like the full yeah. Rhode Island description. Yes. I think that's yeah, exactly I mean, it. It's what People are like, national reporters were tweeting it out saying, like, isn't this every day in our time? You know, it's kind of a sad comment on the stage of the nation. But, yeah, no, i got to give a shout out to Tim White because he, you know, he, he really is a mess. I mean, he could, you know, they've tried to get him to go back to Boston where he used to work, but he likes the job with me down here, thank God. So uh, he hasn't taken the bait. But he just, he just knows how to tell a story like that on television. Because, you know, TV, local TV news gets a bad rap, and there's a lot of local TV news that I wish was a bit, of a bit higher quality. But when you have a good reporter with good material who knows the story they're telling and has done the reporting. And I say this as someone who started out as a newspaper reporter and never expected to be in TV. There is nothing more powerful than a well-told visual story. Yes. I'm not saying everything on local TV news is that, but when you get a reporter as good as Tim with the right material, I really think right. it's just, you don't look away, you know? No, it, you guys really, um, and I think we're very lucky that you guys are covering so much work on southeastern Massachusetts now. Hey, hey what do you got on Newsmakers this week? We got our final debate. Um, last week, of course, was our big night for Bristol County. You guys did a great job. I mean, that, that you came out of left field with the with the COVID thing and had to go to Zoom, and right. like wow. it was still you punchy two, as hell. You two warmed them up to us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh my god, that back and forth with them. I mean, I'll be honest. Having listened to your debate, you know, while I would have much preferred to have them in person, I think it would have been a lot punchier and better television. It was probably easier to wrangle them when everybody was stuck in a box having to yes. see each other, right? Yeah, they, were, yes. they were more than happy to talk over each other when they were in your studio. The, right. the, the, palpable, the, 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 the tension was so palpable. It was like you just kind of had to like – you. I was just like basically like a conduit for their rage. I just had to like steer it in a direction that was like When it was over, it wasn't over. We had to tell them both to leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, get really? out of here, guys. You know, we know, really. I said, you don't have to go home, but you can't You, you got to go, yeah. You got to leave. <laughs> yeah. They well, were still guys, arguing. I give, I give you guys a ton of credit because it is not, people don't, it is, it's not easy to wrangle candidates and get guests like you guys are doing nightly and try to stay, and try to stay local, right? There's such a, it's so easy for anyone covering politics to just start to just do warmed over national stuff where everyone already knows what they think and all that. Right. But when you're doing local, you have to do your own homework, and yet there's only there's not sadly not as many of us as there used to be, right? right. Covering all, imagine imagine the coverage of sheriff's race would have gotten in the papers 20 years ago. Oh, yeah, it would have exactly. been incredible. Would have yeah. been incredible. Yes, yeah, it would. You know, deep dives on the suicides and deep dives on you know heroic background in Atterbury and all this, and there's just not as many men and women on the street reporters. And so I think what you guys do, hopefully, what we do with you is is important um so that's always my pitch when people are listening but <laughs> this weekend on newsmakers uh we got the last debate ninth debate for tim and i of this year ninth and final uh we're doing the rhode island treasurer's race which is the former central falls mayor james diosa uh against the republican james lathrop um and one of those that you know I i'm not going to claim it's going to be the sexiest half hour of television but that's a job where you control 10 billion dollars in pension yeah. funds we know rhode island's pension problems over the years have been a huge thing so um, 
that should be an interesting one and, and certainly an important one, even if it gets a little dry. So hopefully we'll keep our viewers for it. <laughs> so, and let me Excellent. make one other pitch, guys. Sure, sure. Here, which is just, we, uh, we're going to do an election night special. Well, you probably have one, too, so I don't want to... Oh, we're going to be here till midnight, so... Yeah, okay. So, well, <laughs> people want their radio on in one corner and the TV in the other. We're going to do sure. an election night special at 9 p.m. Uh, we're going to steal the airwaves back from CBS next uh, Tuesday night at 9. So if people want to see what we got, uh, we'll be there that night along with you guys. Sounds great. And you have the governor's race there, too. A lot of people don't... I'm thinking about that. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, we didn't even talk about it. I mean, it... You know, McKee was up, Governor McKee was up double digits, um, but Kalis, this woman who really just came on the scene here, she was only in Rhode Island recently, has spent almost $5 million now as a <laughs> Republican nominee, so... We'll see. We'll see where how far that got her. Next Ted, Tuesday. Ted, you. I think it was you that asked her what her internal polling looks like, and that was a very mean question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one ever tells us. You know, it's, it's things, but right. I like how you you refer to her husband's practice as their practice, though. He's the doctor, <laughs> well, right? Well, she ran it. That's her thing. She says she was sort of the business mind, and he was just doing the plastic surgery. So he was a minor um, just, role, just doing the plastic surgery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah that 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 thing, guys. Uh, I don't. Know, you guys, I'm sure saw today. Like we we now have texts from her saying yes. some very nasty things to right. a contractor out in Chicago and uh, McKee's all over that. So that that has not been. Uh, it's been the most edifying. It hasn't been the Lincoln Douglas debate in the last <laughs> week or so, but uh, we'll, we'll get to the end of it. Hey, Ted, Ted, I appreciate you coming on. It was a lot of fun, and we'll uh, we'll definitely get together after Election Day as well. I love it. You guys are the best. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Thanks, Ted. Thanks, Ted. Thanks appreciate so it. Bye-bye. Ted Nisi, WPRI Channel 12. They do a lot of great work over there. Hey, listen, we've got to take this break. We'll be right back. See you. A few calls on the line, 508-996-0500 is how you can join. Good evening. Yes, my friends. How are you doing? Hey, how are you doing? doing? Okay. Uh, uh, Chris, I, I just want to ask you a, qu- a quick question. Could you call me back after offline? I want you to ask you something which I don't think it's appropriate to ask on, on uh, radio, okay? Yeah, no problem. You got Let my me, hold, hold on one second. But I, you gonna, wait yeah, I, I got the... Hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm writing down the number right now. Okay. We're good. Okay, I won't, I won't hold you long, okay? Yeah. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Good evening. Hey, great show tonight, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> it was wonderful. Thank Boy, I enjoy this stuff. Boy, it's great. <laughs> Isn't it great? <laughs> it is. It's what I mean. I, I know you. You, you got to be like a junkie about the whole thing, but I fall in that category, I guess. But uh, I was it just thinking. Be worse. You could have other yeah. hobbies, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, gave up most of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I was thinking a little bit more about the uh, the, the methadone clinic scenario. So, yeah. uh, if the door is open now, that, that that's a big if because I don't know if they waive Rule Forty. Okay. Then the leverage of the Ward Four counselor could come into play, since it is in his ward, right? Yes. So usually the counselor defers to issues uh, in in the person's ward Correct. to the ward counselor. So he turns around and he gets barrels to second. The motion, because it, 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 you could go in there and ask for a reconsideration. If you don't get no second, it's game's done. over. Right. So, right. <laughs> so, so now you get barrels, and uh, you allow it to flow, and then you ask to be recognized for a related motion. So the motion comes in to reconsider, and this is going to have a lot to do with the council president to, to move this along. And then you present the division that I was talking about earlier okay. uh, with the related motion. That there are two entities here, and you want to move to divide the question, and you reconsider the the, the, the vote on the waiver, okay. and you change that, 
And you, every time a dual thing comes up in the council, I've always thought of that of it that way. You know, division of the question, division of the question. I probably only used it maybe three or four times in, okay. in four years. But when it comes up, what happens when you do divide the question, everything becomes a lot clearer. Right. And then that's the purpose of it. And uh, I, I think the, the Ward 4 Council could come out shining like a rose if he can get the cooperation of the rest of the council and they can see that, well, this this may be a better way of handling a particular issue. I love it, Tom. You know, you know when, you, when, you asked, when you talked about Rule 40, I don't think there's anybody left in the council that would even know to, to waive that. Yeah. Oh, they use it all the time. I mean, yeah, yeah you hear it all the time, yeah. Usually on appointments and screenings and stuff like that, uh, move to waive rule 40. Uh, sometimes when they don't want something to be reconsidered, move to waive rule 40, that kind of stuff. Right, right, right. So, but I'd be, but, I'd be, well, I'm going to watch the video on this because it's not in the, it's not in the minutes. Um, uh, if not in the minutes, then it ain't there. Then it's, it, well, well when I say it's not in the minutes, it's the minutes that I get a look at, it doesn't have a lot of that piece in it. You got to watch the video. Oh, I see. Okay. You know, yeah. like you'll see the agenda, you'll see that stuff. So as long as they didn't waive it, they right. they can bring it up again. Yes, at the, at the <laughs> next meeting. But they can't yeah. wait a week. That's right. They, it has to be the uh, next done meeting. at a certain time frame. Yeah. That's next week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I'd be interested if that happened. Right? <laughs> you know, and the other thing is we don't know if they've already made a deal with the proprietor to put them someplace else. That could be another saving grace that they have. I doubt and they're it. just letting this play out the way it's playing out. No, I don't think so. On. That would have been brought up already. I don't think they have, Tom. I think that would have been yeah. brought up already. So my yeah. sources, um, and I want to be very careful here, are um, really felt that this was a blown opportunity. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. That, you know, that, that um, and there was outside, I wouldn't say pressure, but certainly... People who are like, ah, oh, it'll be all right. Just push it, put it through. You know, someone from Fall River was was lobbying on behalf of this this entity, and I really don't think it's weird. But listening to Brian, I don't think he made the connection to what they could do here, what the possibilities right. were for the that, council. That's what right. I, Chris. Yeah, that's exactly what I noticed too. Yeah, and uh, that that that's something that you're very soft there because I I was I was thinking along the same lines as what you just said. And I think that's true. Right. I think that's true. And I, I think that explanation can happen with a reconsideration. Yes. Yes. You know? Nothing yeah. wrong with saying something got past me. It really isn't. Sure. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, the, the, the work division in the council is spread out uh, so that everybody doesn't have to do all the same work. Right. And and that's important. And that's where cooperation within the council counts. Uh, and on this one, uh, I don't know if it was fatigue or whatever, uh, they, they simply didn't see it. Uh, for the clarity that it has, but it, it should be reconsidered. That's the way I look at it. Tom, I got to hold you there. Hey, thanks, Tom. Thanks, thanks for the call. call. Appreciate yeah, it. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Good evening. Hey guys, how you doing? Hey, Good. what's up, Barry? Hey, real quick. So I think Tom Hodgson is going to be fine. And, and I got to ask you a question. Yeah. So evidently, um, and, and great reporting, and you, you got the, uh, the the news reporter. So, so are U.S. senators in the state and people are like kicking Tom's uh, stones in right. at that level? Is that what's happening? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So real quick, all right. So uh, not the I mean, first we time. Watch, yeah, we all well, you know on the national level, we I cannot see Ben Affleck and and, and uh, Matt Damon doing, but so we all watch uh, Ray Donovan and uh, John Voight and uh, Kevin Bacon on the Hill, and um, I just can't 
see anybody saying that, you know, that they served time at Ashby Jail. It's always Walpole. You right. know what I mean? On the that real criminal. Right. Yeah. It, well, yeah, if I'm going to be a criminal, I'm going to go to Walpole, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not going to go. Uh, the, the, I, max I you can do, the, the max you can do in Bristol is two and a half. Two and a half, right? Yeah, two and a half. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, but the point I'm making is, is, is on, on a state and federal level, why aren't they worried about the state correction facilities where the bad mm-hmm. guys are? You know what I mean? Right. We're, we're publicizing Tom, who's keeping us safe. I, I think he's going to be fine, by the way. So, so my next thing is, um, and there's a lot of older people. When I was on the zoning board, a lot of older people, when there were projects coming up, there's a ton of older people that have their own house, might have lost a spouse. That live in New Bedford. I, I get very empathetic to this. And, and Marcus, you, you can understand this. And Chris, uh, you know, Scott Lang, we, we're at different odds about what to do with the mills and everything. Right. But, but um, you know, maybe we should consult somebody like Mayor Mike Hogan from Marlboro, right? I did a lot with this guy. He's AD make peace. He was, uh, he's a Democrat, by the way, but, you know, he was, he was in, uh, uh, in the image embraced by uh, Mass Office Business Development, a lot of uh, Republican people. But why aren't we using the facilities that we can produce to maybe transition older people who these people are holding on. And what I saw, somebody wants to put up a fence. Somebody, right. you know, come in front of the zoning board. And these, these are older people that are New Bedfordites. They built this city for Christ's right. sake. And we should be doing more for them. Why can't we do what Florida communities do for retirees? Why can't we get something where we could access and, and, and make these people comfortable in a facility that they would sell their house because yeah we need to move forward i get all that right. and I'm, I'm not sure about the train and what if what if the train gets voted down you know <laughs> this first time what's the next time it comes up that would be so new bedford if it did right yeah it would be it really would be well, if you, the train gets voted understand. down the legislature is just going to immediately um over uh, override that anyway all it's going to well, do is know, just make new bedford look bad Marcus, you understand empathetically, right? There are older people out there that they're hanging on to. That's all they've got. And, we're, we're, and they don't want to leave the area. Them. Right. Yeah, no, I get don't, it. We don't want them to leave the area, no, guys. No, no, they no, no, no. this goddamn city. You know what I mean? And, and we, we're not giving them a facility to go to. And we've got a lot of resources. Why don't we consult with a guy like Mark, uh, like uh, like Mayor Mike Hogan, who's doing AD make peace revitalization. But, but, oh, really? Is he doing that? They, they're doing a lot over there. Dude, he's unbelievable. Uh, you know, he's the guy we should be consulting, and, and this is a long-term plan. We've got ba- talented Barry, people. We've Barry, Barry, I gotta people. take. I gotta. I gotta. I got another call, and then I gotta take a break. So, Marcus, I, you're not. You're not cutting me off. Again. I have <laughs> to. I have to cut you off. I got another call, and then I gotta take a break. I'm sorry. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Good evening. Hey guys, excellent show as always. Thanks, Hank. Um, I know you guys have been all over the place tonight, but I just want to uh, compliment Tom, who just called, former city councilor. I think that what our city council needs, Deritowski does his job as the, the council for the city council, but you need a historian there. You need a guy like that with experience. Right. I, I agree. That's a great idea. Oh, what, what a phenomenal position you could have somebody, because it doesn't have to be elected, be brought on and voted on by just the council, but bring in a historian that would keep them right where they need to yeah, be. Like a parliamentarian. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Excellent job tonight, guys. And Barry's right. We do need a place right on a golf course like a elderly facility and let them get jobs maintaining grounds for that little industrial park they're going to do. Have a good night, guys. Thanks for the, thanks, thanks for call, thanks for call Hank. Make Appreciate them mow it. the lawn to, for their rent. <laughs> like the, uh, like the happy Gilmore. Yes, there you go. <laughs> you just pulled landscaping duty. Yeah. <laughs>
we're going to take this break. We'll be right back. Mm, two minutes left. So, Marcus, um, I think you and I have a new goal, and that's to be half as nice as Carol Doherty. We that is my that is my new goal. It's not a real goal, though. It's not a because it would ruin us for the radio. It's not an achievable goal uh, for for us. It wouldn't be entertaining. It wouldn't. No, it no. would be boring. Uh, it would be boring. Some people think you know that we're jerks, and <laughs> that's correct. That's why you listen, and that's but that's why you like it. You wouldn't like it otherwise, you know. I will be your villain. <laughs> it's fine. It's the, that's the cross I bear. Um, so really, I want to thank Ted Nisi for yeah, turning Ted was, in. Ted was great. Carol was great. All the callers were excellent today, and uh, it was a great topic. We're definitely going to continue talking about that. Yes. But um, uh, tomorrow, I've got like three guests. I have an election mapper coming on to talk about like just the midterms, actually, in general. I think we, we haven't talked about that much. I've got uh, Senator Mark Pacheco from Taunton calling in at 7. If you live in Marion and Wareham, he represents you as well. Right. Uh, and then I have... Um, uh, at nine, uh, Paul uh, Paul Hero or Hero, whichever you'd like, he'll be on uh, because <laughs> he'll say it both ways because too, because Jess had the sheriff on. This is you know the the we equal, got time, equal thing. time stuff. We got to equal time stuff. Do the equal time stuff. So again, my cross the bear. So.